right now on VFN TV, the U.S. ambassador, Nikki Haley, is putting it in and taking a stand for the biased viewpoints of the United Nations against Israel. Also, we'll be having, believe it or not, that uh, the cable guy, Larry the Cable Guy, has given his life back to the Lord. His testimony and his story at Liberty University today, right now on VFN TV. Welcome to VFN TV, where we're keeping the conversation light. That's L-I-G-H-T, light, with your host, Greg Lancaster. Welcome to VFN TV. I'm Greg Lancaster, and joining me just a moment is John Ramos. Well, the United Nations finally, if you've been following us for some time, we've been telling you, the United Nations has been biased against Israel. We showed you Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu standing up and saying, listen, why are you so silent? Well, now we have a new ambassador to the United Nations from the United States uh, for the United Nations, Nikki Haley. And as a matter of fact, she's speaking directly to the unstoppable voting bloc and saying we're not going to have this uh, biased viewpoint towards Israel anymore. But let's go back and look first. What is happening at the United Nations? Why has there been this overwhelming voting force against Israel, against the ways of America? Let's take a look. The unstoppable voting bloc. No matter how you feel about the United Nations, it's the one place on planet Earth where nations get together and attempt to speak with one voice. That's why their resolutions can make a big difference. So when people all around the world see that approximately 40% of the UN Human Rights Council resolutions were against just one country, most of us would assume that country must be a really bad place. Perhaps ruled by, oh, say, a genocidal dictator who kills his own people, or maybe a tyrant continually threatening to annihilate another country. But actually, the country that has been condemned more times than every repressive country on Earth combined is a democracy, the only viable democracy in the Middle East, Israel. And with these repeated resolutions against Israel, it's easy to see why so many in the international community perceive Israel as a major cause of world problems. But are all these resolutions really justified? Because whether or not you agree with how Israel is handling its many challenges, when you do a basic comparison, like the number of deaths Israel is responsible for with the number of condemnations they've received, and then make that same comparison with other countries, it paints a surprising picture of a possible double standard. What could explain the enormous imbalance? Quick history lesson. In 1975, Cuba needed to gather support in order to take down the biggest democratic superpower dominating the global schoolyard, the United States. Seeing how the UN was mostly controlled by the democratic superpowers, Cuba, along with other communist nations, finally found a way to even the playing field. Because it just so happened that, at the same time, a number of Muslim countries were looking for new creative ways to gang up on Israel. So the communists realized that by joining the Muslims' anti-Israel coalition, they could create an unstoppable voting bloc inside the UN. Because with every resolution they passed against Israel, they simultaneously discredited Israel's ally, the United States. So in 1975, the newfound communist Muslim voting bloc spearheaded the passing of a UN resolution that officially stated, Zionism is a form of racism. Yes, Zionism. The movement trying to find ways to protect Jews from racism was redefined as racism which is kind of like saying the civil rights movement is racism and Martin Luther King is a racist. This is why resolution after resolution after resolution against Israel from 1975 until this day easily passes through the UN. This is why it's so important what you're about to hear is the new ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, standing up and saying this day 
of being biased towards Israel is over. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear, and this is Nikki Haley, the U.S. ambassador now to United Nations. And look at the stand that she's taking for Israel. Let's go there now. Good morning. Um, first of all, as this is the first time I have dealt with this press corps, um, I just want to say that I hope that we can have a lot more conversations and um, continue to do these types of things. Um, but I'll ask that I will respect you if you'll respect me. So as we develop this relationship, um, we'll see how it goes. So the first thing I want to do is talk about what we just um, saw in there. The Security Council just finished its regular monthly meeting on Middle East issues. It's the first meeting like that that I've attended, and I have to say it was a bit strange. The Security Council is supposed to discuss how to maintain international peace and security. But at our meeting on the Middle East, the discussion was not about Hezbollah's illegal buildup of rockets in Lebanon. It was not about the money and weapons Iran provides to terrorists. It was not about how we defeat ISIS. It was not about how we hold Bashar al-Assad accountable for the slaughter of hundreds and thousands of civilians. No, instead the meeting focused on criticizing Israel, the one true democracy in the Middle East. I am new around here, but I understand that's how the council has operated month after month for decades. I'm here to say the United States will not turn a blind eye to this anymore. I am here to underscore the ironclad support of the United States for Israel. I'm here to emphasize the United States is determined to stand up to the UN's anti-Israel bias. We will never repeat the terrible mistake of Resolution 2334 and allow one-sided Security Council resolutions to condemn Israel. Instead, we will push for action on the real threats we face in the Middle East. We stand for peace. We support a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that is negotiated directly between the two parties, as President Trump reiterated in his meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu yesterday. The outrageously biased resolutions from the Security Council and the General Assembly only make peace harder to attain by discouraging one of the parties from going to the negotiating table. Incredibly, the UN Department of Political Affairs has an entire division devoted to Palestinian affairs. Imagine that. There is no division devoted to illegal missile launches from North Korea. There is no division devoted to the world's number one state sponsor of terror, Iran. The prejudiced approach to Israeli-Palestinian issues does the peace process no favors and it bears no relationship to the reality of the world around us. The double standards are breathtaking. Just a few days ago, the United States sought, unsuccessfully, to have the Security Council condemn a terrorist attack to Israel, where the terrorists opened fire on people waiting for a bus and then stabbed others. The Security Council would not hesitate to condemn an attack like that in any other country, but not for Israel. The statement was blocked, and that's downright shameful. Israel exists in a region where others call for its complete destruction, and in a world where anti-Semitism is on the rise. These are threats that we should discuss at the United Nations as we continue working toward a comprehensive agreement that would end the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But outside of the UN, there is some good news. Israel's place in the world is changing. 
Israel is building up new diplomatic relationships. More and more countries recognize how much Israel contributes to the world. They are recognizing that Israel is a beacon of stability in a troubled region and that Israel is at the forefront of innovation, entrepreneurship, and technological discovery. It is the UN's anti-Israel bias that is long overdue for change. The United States will not hesitate to speak out against these biases in defense of our friend and ally, Israel. This is so exciting, this long-term bias that we spoke about for quite some time. They're dealing with it now. They're taking leadership in this matter, and countries are beginning to come around America and Israel. It's exciting days. Your prayers, our prayers are being answered. Keep uh, Nikki Haley in your prayers because she's taking a stand against these nations of the world. Listen, we're going to go right to, after this break, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. His actual name is Daniel Whitney. He speaks at the Liberty University, and he shares, of course, some of his act, but he also talks about how he has rededicated his life back to the Lord. We'll tell you the whole story after the break. Join us after the break. This is TV, where we're keeping the conversation light. Follow us online at VFNTV.com. We'll be right back. The American concept right now was, is not God's original intent. Mm-hmm. But the church, the church is the church no matter how we meet, whether we meet in a big stucco building, a metal building, or a storefront, or in a house. It's the, the, where, we, where we meet doesn't define who we are. But we're supposed to be doing something after we meet. I mean, it should be like a, a coming together, a huddle. And we're going like, you know, this happened and that happened. And, you know, yeah. you know not like I just did Satan all week and all of a sudden I'm going to do Jesus at 11.45 on Sunday. I mean, that's not how it works. Well, I mean, think about it. Jesus said in Matthew 20, he said, go and make disciples. There's there's an action. Now, go. If you look go up, what does it mean go? Well, there's an, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you were to get a brand new car and you love it, it's great. It's everything that you hope for. But then it just sat in your driveway. You never did anything with it. And you never used what it was designed for. Was are you talking about the glowing. church or are you talking about a car? This kind of sounds the same. <laughs> but what I'm saying is yeah. that in regards to the fact that we have turned it, you know, it, what we talked about. What you could do, it, you could paint your car. If you painted it and carpeted it, put a better sound system in yes. with a boom boost, you know. Yes. Whatever that's called. Uh, music? Yes. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I don't know where the drummer, I don't know how big this car is. But, but you think about it, and we've talked about it on a previous program, is that when you look at. Subwoofer. So, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the Great Commission, it's about discipleship. We've turned it into just making Wait, converts. You just to go to church. Now we've got to be a disciple? Well, right. Why do you have to be a disciple? That's exactly what Jesus called us to do. Go and make disciples. So that means that 80% of American Christians who are not picking up their Bible at all. Not reading it at all. So how can you actually do what it says? Because he says a disciple is someone who knows and follows my teaching. Mm-hmm. That's then, a great question. Then when Rick Joyner said, he said, only he said only 10% of Christians in America, maybe it was even smaller than that, even know what their call is, which means 90% don't even know what they're called. But how it, you can't, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. We need to make disciples. That's right. We need to make disciples. And that, I tell you, this, a disciple is someone that goes out and cares about somebody who knows Jesus personally, who has a real, we have Emmaus Road. Emmaus Road is perfectly mm-hmm. set up for this generation, and you can be a part of. It. You want to find if you want to be a part. If you want to be a part of what God's doing, you want to do something for God. Find out what He's doing and just dive in full steam, at, full speed ahead. We have a Mayus Road. A Mayus Road is specifically set up, so no matter where you are, no matter what device you have, whether it's a computer or, or a mobile device or whatever, 
even if it has a face on it, I guess, you know. But you can, you can, you can, you can do what Jesus. You can learn the teachings of Jesus, and you can begin to apply them in your life, That's and right. go out, and you can do, you can do anything and go anywhere. Yeah. And that, while you're learning, you yeah. can also help others too. Yeah, this is exciting. It really is, and you can find that at what, be it vinefellowshipnetwork.org. Go to Hello Church and Emmaus Road and find out which, which pathway is better yeah. for you. There are a couple different pathways. Everybody yes. will love it. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I mean, when you love the Word of God, I mean, it's exciting in your abiding time. By the way, beginning to abide now, mm. learning how to abide with God is so important because he says, apart from abiding in me, Jesus said, you can't even do any of this. And we have a simple plan for you. It's at iabide.org. You know, most people want to abide. They want to they spend that time with God, but they, they need a plan. We have a free plan for you. It's at, it's at iabide.org. You just fill out that little simple request thing. And it comes right to in your email, and it's a great step-by-step That's beautiful. how you can begin to abide with him. Listen, you want to begin to hang out with the king since his kingdom is manifesting. Right. It's going it's to be the greatest thing he's ever done in the face of the earth. It's about to happen. You want to know the king. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm so excited, you know, that uh, just to see people that have given their lives to the Lord. The Larry the yes. Cable guy, uh, it's somebody, I think he's from Canton, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he goes to Liberty University and begins to share his testimony. But first, let's join him now as he first talks a little bit of humor. This is Larry the Cable guy. His name is actually Daniel Whitney. Hmm. Let's go there now. Can we put our hands together for the great, the one, the only, Larry the Cable guy. Come on. <laughs> well, look at this, man, thanks for having me. Who canceled? <laughs> so uh, let's see, Donald Trump is president, Larry the Cable Guy is speaking at Liberty. The Lord is truly coming back soon, Harry. <laughs> it is so good to be here. You know, uh, the last time I was in Virginia, uh, the governor come down here and presented me with the key to the 24-hour fitness. So I was excited about it. I'm actually celebrating a special time myself today. It is a double anniversary for me here today. It is my 28th year in the comedy business. And uh, please remain seated. And uh, my fifth year being funny. So I'm excited about all of it. So thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you very much. I, I guess I should do this before I do anything else. Get her done. Get her done. That's right. They say get her done everywhere. This is how they say get her done in China. Oh, but they gotta go. That's right. This is how they say get her done in Nairobi. That's no lie. You can Google that. All right. So I gotta tell you this story. My grandpa's 80, 93 years old. He come over to the house the other day, and he's dating uh, this gal that's 87. And I was having a dinner, and we sitting there eating, 
And he leans over to me, he says, hey, you think she's hot? Well, I think she is now, Grandpa. Her face has been in the soup for 10 minutes. <laughs> don't you? Here's the deal. Don't you hate it when somebody says you look exactly like somebody? And every time you see them, they go, boy, you look just like so-and-so. Then you finally meet so-and-so. Ugliest idiot you've ever seen in your entire life. And then you realize, gum, I look just like that ugly goof. Makes me mad than Ronnie Millsap in a corn maze. So check this out, this is true. So I go to a diner the other day, get something to eat. And uh, waitress goes, uh, can I help you? <gasps> I go, what's wrong? She goes, holy mackerel. I go, what's wrong? She goes, you look just like the cook. I go, get the heck out of here. She goes, no, you can be his twin brother. I ain't never seen nothing like it. I said, well, let me see this good looking dude. Ugh. This dude come wallowing out of there, big old head. Looked like they've been cleaning the grill with his face for the last 25 years. I ain't kidding. You should have seen the size of his head. I ain't kidding. His driver's license picture was an eyebrow, all right? That gum, and I looked exactly like him. Irritated me. And she goes, what do you want to eat? It's on the house. I'm like, I lost my appetite, all right? Maybe some sausage patties. So I ain't got to look at that ugly idiot right there. So this happened to me, too. Check this out. So I go to PetSmart to get some dog food for my dog. And the girl goes, I pay for my dog food. And then the girl goes, do you want to give an extra $20 to help feed the starving animals? I'm like, what do you think I'm doing now? All right, putting this on my cornflakes? And she goes, you look familiar. I go, I'm a comedian. She goes, no, that's not it. And she goes, you're that cook up at the diner I seen last week. Technology's killing me. The maid embarrassed me. She walked in on me naked at 3 o'clock in the morning. You believe that? What in the world's a maid doing on an elevator at 3 o'clock in the morning? All right. So then I'm on the elevator, and this dude walk in there in one of them neck halos. You ever see them neck halos? Like they busted their neck? Anybody speak English at all in here? <laughs> Feel like I'm talking to the UN and nobody has their headphones on. But he got a neck halo on. I'm standing there, he come walking in there like this. I'm like, what in the world? Then he goes, I go, what's wrong with you? He goes, I think I lost my car keys. I said, you'd lose your head if it wasn't bolted on to you right now. You do know that, right? Every time I go to Las Vegas, there's always a buddy of mine going like this. You going to Las Vegas? Yeah, why? Here. Here's $300, gamble it for me. All right. Call me up two days later. How am I doing? You lost $300. All right, I apologize. How are you doing? I'm up $300. i am doing pretty good out here. I'm having a good time out here. I was just with the troops in Fort Benning, Georgia here not long ago. And uh, it was weird, though. They didn't want me to perform. They just wanted me to show up and show them all what they used to look like before they went to boot camp. I got to lose some weight. My tapeworm had a heart attack last week. All right, I ain't kidding with you. I ain't kidding with you. You know you're getting fat when you can use the back of your neck as a travel pillow. And I try to lose weight. I do everything. It's hard to do. 
I saw something the other day change my life. I read an article in a magazine, and it said, carbohydrates is the fastest way to the grave. So I told my wife right then, I said, sweetheart, circle the calendar. From now on, I'm done. That's it. From now on, I ain't reading nothing. <laughs> Tried to lose weight, went to see a dietitian. These guys are a bunch of idiots. You ever see these dietitians? I go see a dietitian. He says to me, all this money I spent, he goes, Larry, what you need to do, you need to eat six times a day. I already do that. <laughs> if I eat one more time a day, you're going to see me at Walmart on the scooter wearing pajama jeans. All right? <laughs> God bless my wife, though. I've lost 20 pounds in three weeks. My wife got me a trainer. And I've lost 20 pounds trying to avoid him for the last three weeks. I've done that. I was on Nutrisystem for a while, and uh, I'd done commercials for them. You ever see my Nutrisystem commercials? That's right. I reckon uh, they're a little upset at me about right now. <laughs> I'm bad for business. I'm the only guy ever went from doing Nutrisystem commercials to heartburn medication, right up there. I'm two biscuits away from a sleep apnea contract. No doubt about it. But I try to lose weight, it's hard to do. I blame a lot of it on Foxworthy for promoting the daggum Golden Corral commercials. You ever see Harry the Golden Corral? Boy, that's good stuff. Don't take more than two trips at a buffet, though. I'll tell you that much. Your toilet will take a knee. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that ain't good. And I hate all these uh, food police that try to make up stories so you don't eat at Golden Crow. That irritates me. I'm on the internet the other day. There's an icon on there that says, click on this, you'll never eat at Golden Corral again. I'm like, what in the world? I click on it, it was me. I love Golden Crow. I ate a Golden Crow last week so many times, Chris Christie started following me on Twitter. All right. <laughs> but I haven't lost my weight. I done made her in the movie Cars. And uh, that's right. And I, that's how I gained weight. I wanted to do good, so I put on weight, you know. And tow truck's a lot of weight, so. That's how good I am. I'm the only guy that puts on weight to do voiceovers. Let me say this, uh, I got a funny story I want to tell you about Mater real quick. Um, I was doing the Disney Cruise, uh, the, the launch of the fantasy, my first time ever, and uh, they wanted me on there. Everybody's on there, the Disney execs, the Pix execs, Bob Iger, John Lasseter, and John wanted me to come and do two shows in the showroom. I said, yeah, John, I'll do it. So I get done, and this is a true story. He goes, uh, hey, do me a favor, go up to the where the ship's captain is, make a ship's announcement as mater and tell everybody thanks for coming on the boat. And then when you're done, introduce you and tell everybody thanks for coming to the show. They'll, they'll, they'll love it on the boat. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm mater, so there's not much of a difference, but I guess I'll do it. But this, so this is exactly how the announcement sounded that day on the boat. Hey everybody, this is Major. Like Tom Major without the tough. Boy, I tell you what, I'm happier in a tornado in the trailer park that you had me come on this boat and, and that y'all come on and visit us too. 
And I'll tell you what, if you ever get to Radiator Springs, shoot, we'll do some backward driving. All right, then, this is Mater. And don't forget, you and me, we's best friends. Now, hold on. Here's my buddy Larry the Cable Guy to say something to you. Hey, everybody, this is Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> thank you so much, everybody. Hey, I, thank you so much. I think, uh, I'm, uh, thanks for having me at this. This is a, a big deal. I know that Dave and them wanted me. You guys are going to come out and do something with me. But thanks for having me. This is really awesome that you would invite me to this. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Come on, everybody. Thank Larry you. Larry the Cable Guy. So awesome. Is this mine? Or is that yours? Why don't I sit in the yeah, middle of you? wherever you like. Yeah, you don't want me to sit on the end. <laughs> People, there's a lot of eye candy up here. <laughs> Darn right. <laughs> a lot of eye candy. <laughs> Man, uh, so, so I, think, I think one of the great things about this particular time is that uh, in all the times that you've gone out and done comedy, you've never done that as Larry the Cable Guy and then come off of that persona, that character, and then just really just get to be the real you. No, you know what? This will be awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in, you know, whenever, people always say he's always Larry the Cable Guy, and I say to myself, well, because when I go out and do stuff, you hired me to be Larry the Cable Guy. So every time people see me, I'm Larry the Cable Guy. And I have never, ever been on stage where I have not done myself after the show. So right now I'm gonna do it. So I will do my real voice for you guys. This is the real Ladies and gentlemen. Dan Whitney is in the house. Come on. The real Dan Whitney. A rare, rare treat. Um, thank you very much. You know, when I first started doing the character, I was quite surprised about the hairstyle. So fantastic. Just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, when I, yeah, you know, it's really funny. I grew up in Nebraska on a pick, on a go big red. Turner Gill, baby, Turner Gill. <laughs> So I grew up in Nebraska on a pig farm, and uh, my whole life was a farm livestock, loading cattle trucks, and, uh, but we didn't really have an accent, you know, but I'm a country boy, and then I moved to Florida, and uh, I lived in Florida, Florida 33 years, and Foxworthy and I have been friends since 1986, and I defy anybody. I went to college in Georgia, Baptist College in Georgia, and, I defy anybody to move to the South and live there more than two years and not start morphing into something kind of like this. You know what I mean? That's so, right. <clears throat> but that, but that's, but uh, that's uh, where I come from. I come from Nebraska, and uh, I'm just a country kid from Nebraska that uh, developed a character, and that's how I do my shows. How did how did you develop like Larry Cable Guy was? Obviously, some of you, right? Well, yeah, you know what? I, I did all kinds of characters. I, I wanted to be a comedian, and so I was a comedian, and uh, uh, you're always looking for some extra money because they're not really paying you a lot of money early on. And So I did several characters, and a buddy of mine had a morning show, and he said, uh, man, that thing you're doing, that Larry the Cable Guy, it was just something that I just did on stage, I never, or on, on the radio. I never thought I would bring it to the stage. I, I tried it out on stage when I was just open micing, and it was funny, but it wasn't anything groundbreaking. And, but when I did it on radio, it just struck a nerve. And uh, I, you know, I basically took everybody that I grew up with, and I love All in the Family. It was one. It was a great show. And uh, 
I just thought it was so funny. So I wanted to take, I wanted to make this guy that was kind of like an Archie Bunker type guy, but he was likable, or she was really likable. And so I wanted to make it likable. I wanted to make it funny. Yeah. And so that's how I developed. I never ever thought in a million years I'd do it on stage. And uh, I ended up getting syndicated on three stations, then 27 stations ultimately. Wow. And a lot of people think I came out of nowhere, but I, I used to call in and do social commentaries and they were really crazy. And I called 27 radio stations five days a week for 13 years. Wow. And it just connected. Wow. And somebody billed me one time as Larry the Cable Guy on stage and not my real name. And I kind of got mad because I didn't perform as that. And I said, well, you know what? I'll go up and do a little bit of it. And I couldn't follow it. Mm. I would come out of the character and go into what I do, and it, it tanked. And so I got done. He goes, can you do your whole show like that? And I said, yeah, I talk like a redneck 24 hours a day. That ain't a big deal to me. And so that's what I did. I said, if I'm going to go on stage, and I'm going to dress like I want. So I went, I literally went back to where I was, my hotel room, and put on what I drove over in the car in. A pair of lace-up roper boots, a pair of jeans, a cut-off, a sleeveless Nebraska t-shirt and a NASCAR ball cap. That's what I drove over in. And from that point on, I just, I, I just never went back the other way. If you are wondering while you're listening, watching Larry the Cable Guy at, uh, on VFN TV at Liberty University, when we get back from this break, he's gonna be sharing his personal testimony. His actual name is Daniel Whitney, and he gave his life back to the Lord. It's got an awesome testimony. But first, we want to tell you, this is a breakthrough year. We have an offer for you. It's called the Break a Year of Breakthrough. We have all the details for, for you in just a moment. But realize, for any gift whatsoever, when you connect to us, we want to send this to you. Here are the details. Offer 2025, a year of breakthrough. This year is a year of breakthrough. Many have been continually laboring and pressing in, not seeing the response that they had hoped for. But the seasons of yesterday are over. This is a new season. When God reveals that there has been a shift, it is important to forget the mindsets of old and not carry them into this new season. There is an abundance of resources and provisions coming to the church in this season of breakthrough. By not understanding the purposes of this season, we can be destroyed by the blessings that will overtake us. In this teaching, you will learn the importance of understanding the season, what your role is, what the purpose of the season is, and also how to shift in all that God has for you. Allow this teaching to encourage you and lift you up as you begin to walk in the fullness of all that God has for you in this breakthrough year. Become a partner by going to vfntv.com and clicking on Partner Now. Or you can write to us at vfntv. That's 40 West Nine Mile Road, number 2, PMB 360, Pensacola, Florida, 32534. Or you can call us at 844-408-3688. That's Offer 2025, a year of breakthrough. This is VFN TV, where we're keeping the conversation light. Follow us online at vfntv.com. We'll be right back. Law, 
liberty, justice. This is Law and Justice with Jay Sacculo. I'm a pastor, and I, uh, a lot of the stuff he talks about, like um, certain employers uh, requiring people not to say this, or a school rejecting a kid doing this or that. Uh, do they have any literature where I can have like uh, all this information in front of me when I'm talking with my congregation about all that's going on? Well, Terry, the best place to go, and we've got a lot of information on this, is our website. And we've got a great search engine on the website. We have a whole section on uh, what the rights of Christians in the workplace. We've got a whole section that deals with those issues. It's in a question-answer format. It's very easy. You just go to ACLJ.org. And I encourage pastors uh, and and church leaders to go to our website regularly. There's a lot of updates, a lot of material there. Uh, And if you want to get information for your churches, it's a great resource and a great place to go. Find out more at ACLJ.org. That's ACLJ.org. David Weber from San Angelo, Texas, who's a technical training instructor, uh, wants me to talk about conviction. David, I love this quote. I've said it many times. I think it's very true. One person with conviction is a majority. (laughs) How many times I've seen a group of people that basically didn't know what they wanted or where they were going But there was one person in the group they knew. They felt it with passion. They spoke it from the heart. They were determined that that was exactly what they were going to have. And pretty soon, other people began to pick up on that conviction. They began to pick up on that passion. And what do you know? Pretty soon, that one person with conviction is the majority. And everyone else is following him or her to that desired destination. I've often said... To have an answer is a wonderful thing, but to have the conviction of the answer is even more wonderful. If you, if you don't have a, a plan to abide with the Lord, we have one for you mm-hmm. because it'll just begin to just vi- revitalize your prayer life. And uh, you'll find that not only are you pr- talking to God, but you're, you're dialoguing with the Lord and, and having this uh, documented conversation we have a plan for you. It's at iabide.org. It's a free plan. You can request it today, and it's amazing how um, your life will, you'll just have peace in your life. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to VFN TV with your host, Greg Lancaster. Welcome, welcome back. I guess you're supposedly, if you're not, if you call the earlier part of our program, you're wondering, what's Larry the Cable Guy doing on VFN TV at Liberty University? We were about to hear, he's going to finish this conversation, but you're going to hear his testimony. He talks about how he was raised, but he says, you know, I gave my life to the Lord. And you're going to see him just go into mm. tears. It's a powerful thing. Wow. We have to be so open in this year of breakthrough as people begin to give their life back to the Lord and allow them to go through these transitions and embrace them, just like Liberty did. Take a look. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so, so you, that's how it started. You live in Nebraska with your family. Please hold your applause till all this is over. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you live in Lincoln, Nebraska. Tell us it's about your like family. We got, it's like we got boogers in our noses or something. You know, everybody's like staring at us. <laughs> Tell us about your family. Uh, my dad was a uh, preacher. Uh, my mom was an Elvis impersonator. Uh, I, I, found, I found that odd myself. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. My mom was a housewife, but. My dad was one of those backwoods, southern, I don't know where he got his accent, I think from Missouri, because my dad was from Kansas, and my dad would get to preaching, and my, hello, say it, you know, and he'd had the whole thing going on, so my dad was a preacher, and 
He played guitar with the Everly Brothers in the late 40s, early 50s. And uh, so that's kind of where I get my sense of humor. Everybody in my family's funny. Uh, my dad, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he was a backwoods preacher, you know. And I grew up kind of in a strange Christian environment because my dad, I mean, he had a master's degree in Greek and two and he had he spoke fluent Hebrew Greek wow. he could you could look at my dad and go hey Tom Isaiah uh, chapter 2 verse 6 and he'd not only say it he'd say it in Greek and Hebrew <laughs> but my dad also coming home from church was cussing like a sailor <laughs> because he was just his back home country preacher and I always kind of found that kind of strange <laughs> You know, and it never hurt my faith at all because humans are humans, you know. But that's the environment, that's the Christian environment that I grew up in. You know, I was a country kid living on a pig farm. My dad was a preacher and cussed like a sailor and played guitar on the weekends. <laughs> so if that's not enough to take some sort of a, a narcotic, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're, you're speaking of family, your daughter's name is Reagan. My little girl's name is Reagan, that's right, after the greatest president to ever come across this country. And, uh, uh, Notice you don't have a son named Clinton. No, no, no. <laughs> Are you? No, but so we, you're a Republican, and this, the real Dan Whitney is a yeah, far-right Republican. We were saying that earlier. I have a dog, though, that I have to let out to take a Dukakis, okay? I have to do that. But, uh... <laughs> But no, my, uh, my little girl's name is Reagan, and her first words, believe it or not, were, Mr. Larry, tear down this crib. <laughs> that was her first words. And my little boy is named Nixon. You know, That's a no, joke. I'm just kidding. His name is not Nixon. His name's Wyatt. He's nine, going on Ridland, and he's a good kid. I love him to death. And, and you know, here's the thing about kids. It's unbelievable that God can create. Because I never had kids. I started late. I was 43 when I got married. Had kids when I was uh, uh, 27, 30, 32. No, just kidding. I was uh, 43 when I got married. I'm a first kid at 45. And it's amazing to me how much you just look at this kid and how much kids just not only change your life, but it's just something that God created that you, it's unbelievable how you can just look at it and it just makes you cry and you would do anything for it. And then the next minute, you want to slap the garbage out of it. You know what I mean? Because they're so infuriating sometimes, but I love them to death. They're unbelievable. I was going to homeschool our kids, and then my wife reminded, yes, but my wife reminded me I was an idiot, so we didn't do that, so we couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. But I was always scared of bullies and stuff, because my little boys, got my little, both of them have such good hearts, and they're such good kids, and I... And I actually do homeschool my kids. We have a homeschool group where 16 families got together. And uh, it's, a, it's an awesome situation. And, uh, but I was just always worried about bullies, you know, because I remember I was bullied once and, and a fourth grader uh, wanted to beat me up and it freaked me out, but I did the right thing. I went back out, I got in my car and I told my wife she could go pick the kids up from school next time. So that's what I did. <laughs> Maybe we should have done my whole bit from the table. You know what I mean? That might have... 
Well, we know that part of raising kids and having a great family is a huge part of that is spiritual growth. And, and one of the guys that you listen to, I think, on a daily basis is David Jeremiah, yeah, who just spoke David here. Jeremiah. His grandson is, uh, his, his grandson is a student right here, somewhere. David Todd. I don't know where he is, but he's a student here. There he is, plays on the football team. Yeah, and, he, uh, uh, we actually went to breakfast a few uh, months ago. Was it about like last month? Yeah. We went like to that. breakfast, mm -hmm. and your dad owes me like $32 for that. He walked out of that breakfast. <laughs> right. So tell Dr. Jeremiah. And I like Ravi Zachariah, too. I listen yeah, to Ravi. But there, a lot of Ravi, though, you have to like go to a dictionary and try yeah. to figure out what he yeah. says every 10 minutes. It's pretty deep stuff. But uh, tell us about your faith in Christ, how you came to know the Lord and, well, and all that. I came to know Jesus when I was a kid. And uh, like I said, I grew up. And, you know, it's kind of crazy with me because and I always wondered if it's really hard to be a preacher's kid and have any kind of a cool testimony. You know, because you always hear these people give their testimony. And, and then I got into drugs and I was half dead and I was doing this. And then the Lord pulled me up. I don't have that story. I became a Christian when I was a kid, uh, did everything, went to a Baptist school, we, we did the outreach, I mean, everything. And then, like always, like a lot of preacher's kids, you, you just fall by the wayside. And you know he's always there, God has never left me, he's always been with me, all the time. But then you get in the entertainment business, let me tell you something about the entertainment business, it just pulls you in. I've never drunk. I've never done drugs. I've never done anything like that. I will say that there's a lot of things. Well, to make a long story short, um, I kind of fell in that depths of that, that garbage for a while. And then about two years ago, I rededicated my life. And uh, yeah. I gotta tell you. This, this is always rough for me to talk about because I love Jesus so much. And I just, I feel, I didn't want to do this tonight. But I just feel horrible about some of the things that I've done. And unlike other people, everything that I did and said is on tape for everybody to see. I'm proud. I'm proud of some things that I've done. I've had an awesome career. I've done some amazing things. But there's things that I've done on stage now that I'm back in the fold and I'm back with my savior. There's things that I look back on and I wish I wouldn't have done it. And men don't forgive you. And I don't care if men forgive me or Jesus forgives me. You know what I mean? And that's, he, he dies in, and it's, well, you know, it's, when I, people always say, oh, what are you going to go up there and cry about stuff? It's not that I'm sad, I'm happy. It, you know, I'm happy, you know. I've always been happy. Those years that I went down into the, the depths, you know, and you're doing stuff, I wasn't as happy. I knew Jesus was always there, but I wasn't as happy. Um, I've never lost my salvation. Jesus isn't going to let me go because I, that was self. I got saved when I was a kid, and by gosh, by the things I was, I was saved. But the devil gets a hold of you. You know what I mean? 
but he never, Jesus never leaves you. The prodigal son, he's always there if you come back to him. And I came back to him. And I'm not perfect. It's like my buddy Beeman, my tour manager says, and God brought him to me. I got branches still falling off me. <laughs> you know, I ain't, a, I ain't a complete tree. I got branches still falling, just like everybody else. As, there's nobody in here that's perfect. And uh, we're a constant, we're a constant, uh, we're a constant work. But I'm glad I came back into the fold and, and I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life. And it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with fame. Because fame and money and all the glitz never makes you happy. Because I can sit here right now and tell you that I was way happier. Not now. Now I got full happiness because I'm back in the fold. But I got to tell you, five years ago, I wasn't as happy as I am now. And I had anything I ever wanted. I could do anything I wanted. I could buy anything I wanted. It just didn't have that complete happiness. There was something missing. It was there. It was just buried inside of me. And well, anyway, make a long story short, I rededicated my life two years ago. I'm glad I did. I'm very happy I did. I'm a work in progress. I'm doing the best I can to glorify God in everything I do, everybody I see. When people come to my shows, it's not perfect. I'm doing my best. I pray to God, make sure that, and I'm not a, you know, I was never really over the line that much. But there's things I did that I didn't, you know, enjoy. Like I used to, I used to do, do jokes about handicapped and this and that. I thought it was funny. It's not funny, mm -hmm. especially if you have a kid that's like that. And so I said, and people had always said to me, am I going too long? No. Okay. People had always said to me, well, I got to go to the bathroom. People had said to me, <laughs> but people had always said to me, well, you need to quit doing that. It's offensive. And then I had other people that said, well, no, it's not. And when I was a kid, I worked with retarded kids all the time. And now it's special needs, whatever. I'm mean, not good on the terms. Um, but I didn't think anything of it because I worked with them. But then, but then as I had kids, I realized the hurt that causes people. And so I quit doing it. But I'm glad that I didn't quit doing it because people forced me to quit doing it. I'm glad I did it because my inside was changed to not do it. Because if you stop doing it just because somebody doesn't like it and you do it just to not offend them, it's, it's not the same. It's the same when you do it because you inside really want to make that change. And so there was things like that that I... Yeah. that I, uh, there were things like that that I'm working on, you know, and, uh, but, it, but it's really cool at my shows. It's like, it's like my wife has a crazy ministry. My wife grew up on a cattle ranch and uh, you would never know my wife grew up on a cattle ranch in a million years because she's got a, a pig face. And so we, uh, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. My wife is gorgeous. She's hot, trust me. Anyway, she will be after she finds out about yeah. that joke I just did. I'll tell you that much. No, my wife is fantastic, and she's my best friend, and she's gorgeous. And, but she grew up on a cattle ranch, and she found the Lord about three years ago. And uh, her ministry is basically, you know, she's a beautiful wife to my kids, but she's on the Internet all the time, constantly witnessing to people and all her friends from school. And it's kind of like me. I work with Foxworthy a lot, and we talk, we talk about this a lot. You know, Jeff has sold 38 million comedy CDs. So between me and him together, we've sold over 38 million comedy CDs. 
But we talk about this a lot, you know, God puts people in different positions where he thinks they will be effective. And it doesn't matter what you do. God puts you in positions of effectiveness. And I feel like Jeff and I, especially Jeff, and I've learned this from Jeff, we're in the entertainment business that's one of the most ungodly businesses on the planet. Jeff and I are in a position to do our shows. And when people see us in our daily lives, different than them, and happy, and a shining light, it's such a great field to witness in. And, I, and I've, always, I've always loved the, the verse, whoever will seek will find. If you're not seeking, you're not looking for it. But when people see you, and they see something in you, yeah. and they're not happy inside, they're gonna seek it out. They're gonna ask you what makes you happy. And that's why everywhere I go, I got this, uh, your deal. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I wear the stand up for Jesus thing on my wrist, hoping that somebody goes, hey, what's that on your wrist? And that starts the conversation. But anyway, I didn't want to be a baby tonight. I'm just very happy that that I've rededicated my life. And uh, it's- uh, What a powerful word. And it's awesome to be here with all these people. It's cool to be in a room full of a a bunch of Christians. You know, and the only thing that scared me today was we were flying in the plane, and I hate flying, but we're flying in, and we hit major turbulence. And I'm thinking, really? I don't hit major turbulence when I'm going to, you know, do shows for unsaved people, and here I am coming to see the Christians, and I'm about to die over here. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Anyway. Hey, I just want you to know, brother, that uh, you're in a room full of just sinners saved by grace, and so we were with you, brother. We're watching God. We're watching God teach you, and um, your honesty and your transparency in the last five, ten minutes as you've just been sharing about how you just feel convicted about your past. I mean, what a great testimony of what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but to forfeit his soul. And, right. and people always think, if I had money, if I had fame, uh, you know, I would be happy. You're such a testimony of you can have all of that and still, still like not have contentment in your soul. So we, we are grateful what God's doing in your life. Thank you, brother. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Powerful. Oh, yeah. I'm Tell glad us. I did. I've been, I'm glad I did. I've been waiting. I've been waiting to be able to do it. You know, I've been waiting to share that with somebody because the places I work, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> That's so powerful, you know, to just be so open and, and transparent and authentic. We've got to so embrace when God, God's going to be bringing many of his sons and daughters back. People that have never known him before are going to come. And they're going to come just like we come with all of our luggage and all of our things. And we can't, we just got to embrace them. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. I think about this. I think about when Jesus said, this is kind of how it is. You had this one man that was coming up and he looked towards the temple and he just thought, oh man, you know, I feel so bad about myself, mm-hmm. my shame, my sin. And he falls to his knees and he starts beating his chest, mm-hmm. right? And then this other guy, he stood up in some flowing robe and he's a Pharisee. This is Jesus, the son of God telling us the story. And he says, and this was his prayer. He said, I just thank God I'm not like him. And point, mm. he was pointing them down basically to the man who was beating his chest. And this is what God says through his son. He said, the one that's beating his chest, the one that has all this luggage that just humbled his heart and just said, you know, I want Jesus, but I know I need forgiveness. I mean, that's the one that made it. The one that was in yeah. this flowing robe didn't make it. Yeah. And when, when God's, I mean, we're, we're going to, breakthrough is not just a financial breakthrough. It's a financial, it's a breakthrough for kingdom finances to be able to bring in the harvest. And you're going to start seeing, I mean, you, th- you, th- you think about 
you know, um, all, all the wealth that he has gained, you know, in his career. And now he's saying, listen, I just want to be able to, to bless. And we didn't, we'll make the whole thing available to you on the VFN Torch, but he talks about, I think, a half a million dollar foundation in Orlando, Florida, wow. the hip dysplasia, that they uh, building for babies all around the world to be able to, to be, uh, they're having to get these plastic hips. These babies are being held mm -hmm. wrong. And it's a real simple thing to be able just to educate people on how you hold your baby. And so they're willing, they, they built this entire wing onto a hospital in Orlando, I believe it is. And uh, it's called Get Her Done. His fund's <laughs> called Get Her Done. And they're doing all these things, you know, for military and for families. And there's so many wonderful things. It reminds me of the scripture, those who have been forgiven much, love much. Yeah. And so when you recognize what God's done in your life, you say, man, I, I just want to love him and I want to love right. other people. I want to give it all back to him. It's, it's the beautiful. most beautiful thing to see those transitions take place. It's just, it's just we have to we have to guard the environment to make sure that, that they don't become so beautifully raw and all of a sudden they become religious. And yes. it's like, oh, what happened to you? Yes. <laughs> you got a flowing robe on. You used to be so yeah. authentic. And, uh, and we really try to do that here on VFN TV and in the VFN family, just like, you know, we're real, we're, you know, we're saved by God's grace. We share our testimonies at meetmyfather.org so you can know a little bit about us. But, you know, God forgives. And we're looking at, you know, Larry the Cable Guy, Daniel Whitney's his actual name, and that's a character that he plays. And, uh, and he's given his life to the Lord, and it's been a couple years now. His wife's witnessing the and folks on there. begging, begging someone to ask, ask him, me. What, what does this mean? As a matter of fact, we, if you would like it, we have an I Abide armband for yes. you. You know, we don't have to be able to send that to you. You can just call and request it or, or write to us. But to, so people that will ask. Listen, there was a, uh, President Donald Trump was on the air with us. Uh, the speech was uh, yesterday, yesterday's program, but today, this is the pastor that prayed uh, before the president spoke. We want to let him close today's program out in prayer. Instead of us mm. closing out in prayer, how about the answer to our prayer? Closing it out in prayer. As he prays for the speech that you just heard in the previous program. Take a look. I said praise the Lord, Melbourne. Back on September the 27th, 2016, I stood at this podium praying for then-candidate Donald J. Trump. I prayed for divine guidance for Donald J. Trump and a special anointing. I am proud to stand here today to say that I'm praying for President Donald J. Trump. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, would you please bow your heads, lower your caps in honor of the United States. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this great nation, that God, you took me out of the United Kingdom. You brought me to these shores 30 years ago, allowed me to raise my right hand to the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States of America. I am proud, as so many other Americans are, to be an American. Thank you, Lord, for a president that understands that we are one nation, indivisible with liberty and justice for all thank you god for a president that is guiding and leading in an inspirational way that will lift this nation lift our hearts let us understand that it is self-evident that god has made all men equal that this nation is the greatest nation on the face of the planet that we are the city on that hill that you've allowed on this planet to shine so bright. Thank you, God, for a president that understands 
what all the issues are facing this nation, that we should be united as the United States. Thank you, God, that we are not divided by skin or complexion or nationality or orientation, but that we are all God's children. And for President Trump that understands this, I thank you, Lord. I pray that right now, God, you'd bless our military. Remember my son that is deployed and all the young men and women that are deployed all over this earth defending freedom because freedom is not free. We pray, Father God, for our Congress to have a backbone, that you'll give our congressmen strength, that they understand that they are doing the will of God. They are God's ministers. Father God, give them the courage to lead this nation with legislation that will lift this nation up and away from the crises that other politicians want to sink this nation into. God, we thank you for a man like Donald Trump who has the backbone and the courage to stand up for Israel, to stand up, Lord Jesus, for righteousness, to make America the greatest country that you've called it to be. For your word tells us, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people who are his inheritance. We are the inheritance of the Lord. We are Americans and we are grateful that you've shed your love and your grace all across this land from sea to shining sea. We thank you, Lord. Bless these proceedings tonight. Bless every speaker tonight. Lift this nation up again. Lift us up to understand that we are the greatest nation on the face of the planet. And we will never apologize because you have blessed America and we are grateful. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to give a special thanks to all of our sponsors and partners. Visit VFNTV.com and visit our sponsors for all of their contact information. Phone numbers, web addresses, emails. Call them today. I'm your host, Greg Lancaster, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Don't forget you can join us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download our app and sign up for our newsletter, The Torch, at VFNTV.com. I've enjoyed our time together. God bless. Thank you.